Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the best DC Comics podcast, episode two. And as I promised, we're going to go through the first appearance of Batman in Detective Comics number 27. But before we get into that, let me tell you to go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you right on back 100%. Check out our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we review most of the issues coming out weekly by DC. And then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience, where you can support us for all of the shows here on this feed and also get a ton more. Each level you go on, you get more and more. A lot very similar to this podcast, where we go through older issues, stuff that are, you know, cool stuff to go through. And obviously, Detective Comics number 27, pretty cool, right? Pretty cool deal, I would say. Oh, my. It is the first appearance of Batman, obviously. And it's it's a fun issue. We're going to go through. We're going we're to poke a little fun at it as we go. But remember, it is a classic, one of the best ever. And that's why it's on this podcast. And Detective Comics number 27 has a cover date of May 1939. It was actually published on March 30th, 1939. And the Batman story, and that is Bat Slash Man, is The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, written by Bill Finger. Pencils, inks, and letters by Bob Kane, edited by Vincent Sullivan. And when you end up going through this, the funny thing is, again, like I said in the first episode with Action Comics, a lot of people get things, you know, swirling around in their minds, thinking maybe Batman, number one, where you had the Joker, Catwoman, all that. Obviously, that's not this. But also, it's been retold, reprinted, all these things going on. There are a ton of different versions of this actual first story that sometimes people forget that originally... This didn't take place in Gotham City. Supposedly, it is New York City at this point. Gotham City is not named for a while. Bruce Wayne, he loves smoking the pipe, and that continues for a while in Detective Comics. Also, the idea that Batman doesn't kill, nobody sent him the memo at this point. I like the killing. There are at least two killings. In this issue, I like the killing. I mean, one definitely. Another one we'll have to discuss. Maybe three, even. I don't know. We might have had a neck snap at one point, but this is a Batman who, you know, is a hard knuckle brawler. He is not shy about killing villains. So we're going to get into this right now. All right. And the story starts with a splash across the top of the first page that says, The Batman, in quotes, Bat slash man. The case of the chemical syndicate, and in a cool bat symbol, you end up having this little blurb. The Batman, a mysterious and adventurous figure fighting for righteousness and apprehending the wrongdoer in his lone battle against the evil forces of society. His identity remains unknown. And that's the cool thing. I will tell you some facts and and some trivia by the end of this. But one of the things that I actually hadn't heard, but it seems to be quite on front street, the idea that this story is lifted from the Shadow Magazine, number 113 in 1936. It's pretty much the exact story. But what intrigues me about this isn't the case of the chemical syndicate. I mean, the the whole idea of these partners and things that we'll be getting into, that that's not the intriguing part. Obviously, the intriguing part right away is, oh, my God, the Batman. Who's this Batman? He's crazy. I mean, is is he supernatural? Is he things? And these would be things that when this 
first came out, you would wonder because a lot of the stories in Detective Comics had that element. So what is going on? But by the end, you end up having Bill Finger reveal that right away. Like, here it is. The, the cliffhanger reveal, Bruce Wayne is Batman. And that's crazy. That That seems crazy, especially nowadays, where I could see the idea of this going for 20 issues before we actually go. And I like that this first, that's one of the mysteries, but it's like a mystery that you didn't really know that you needed until the end of this issue. And then all of a sudden, it makes you kind of go back and look at things and go, okay, oh my God, that Bruce Wayne, like, why would he be the Batman? What's going on? Because they don't really give you a ton of information about Bruce Wayne. So the big thing you know by the end, young socialite friend of Commissioner Gordon is also the Batman. That's that's a crazy cliffhanger. And, and I've been doing a bunch of podcasts leading up to this issue, number 27 of Detective Comics, mainly focusing, really only focusing on the Slam Bradley stories. But all of the ones and the other things, and including the Slam Bradley that I've read, you pretty much have just one-shot stories. It's usually, okay, let's get our main characters, send them to this part of the world where they're going to solve a mystery, then bring them back, have an ending of a cliffhanger that if it's Slam Bradley, Slam's kissing the dames and Shorty, his little partner, he's yelling that he wants to get paid and also kiss the dames. And then it's it's almost like a sitcom ending. You know, you'd have the, the end music going, people would be cheering and laughing and whatnot. This is different. I mean, this right away feels so different because it's not just, oh, my God, that that case was great or, oh, my God, but it ends up with that cliffhanger that gives you that continuation of, oh, my God, I got to read what happens next because now you know Bruce Wayne's feminine. When are we going to find out why? What are we going to do? And it's such a cool concept. And I think that that just that one panel at the end, that makes this and the character and it, it really you know, elevates it in a different way, a different type of storytelling. Even though when you go through this, a lot of the storytelling, Bill Finger is not giving Bob Kane a lot of room to actually tell the story at points. It really plays off like an old-time radio mystery program where as things are going, people are narrating to themselves, thinking and all that, but it's, it's still really good. I'm not saying that it's written bad. Just saying that this is kind of the sign of the times with it, but pretty funny. You end up opening up with the home of Commissioner Gordon. You, you don't end up having a first name Jim James anything in this. This is just Commissioner Gordon. You know, we got to be proper. He's commissioner, right? Even though he's he's kind of a blabbermouth, as we'll see. Who at the moment is entertaining his young socialite friend Bruce Wayne. Later, you're going to get this thing where, and that's one of the things too. There's so many different versions of this story reprinted things. Later, it seems that they're saying that. You know, this taking place in New York City And Bruce is actually going to talk to Gordon About possibly becoming a New York City detective Kind of a neat thing to think about What Bruce is played out as throughout this whole issue Is, you know, that young socialite Later you'll get the playboy You'll get that with this You get the bored guy Who probably has too much money And has a boring life Because he gets everything handed to him You kind of get this idea Even Gordon says later, like and then Bruce Wayne must have a boring life. He's not excited about anything. Well, it's funny because Commissioner Gordon, I said he's a blabbermouth. He is. And it seems like he is really trying his best to use the cases that he's on, even a telephone call that comes in now, 
to excite a young Bruce Wayne. It's almost like he's taking it like, I'm going to take him under my wing and excite this kid with some tales of the true crime. Well, that's too early for the true crime. It wasn't a thing then, right? So they're talking. Bruce is smoking his pipe. Gordon, of course, from panel one, lights up a cigar. He's a smoker. He's like, uh, hey, what's up, Bruce? And Bruce is like, well, and he kind of looks bored already. Anything that happened exciting these days? You know, I need some exciting stories. And Gordon goes, well, I'm actually puzzled by this, the Batman. There's this guy, he's dressed as a bat. Like, it puzzles me. And, you know, there's Bruce. Okay, and the phone rings. And so Gordon just answers it right away. Now, again, this is the police commissioner. You would think he'd have a little more tact with some of these murders and mysteries and stuff like that. You know, I don't know how well he knows young socialite Bruce Wayne. He just answers like, what? Lambert, the chemical king, stabbed to death? His son's fingerprints on the knife? He's pretty much giving all of you, I'll be right there. Like I said, it really plays off like a old-time radio detective or mystery deal. So with that, now, he shouldn't be saying all, I don't know, it, it kind of bothers me a bit, but there's Bruce Wayne uh, sitting there like, oh, what's going on? And you end up having Gordon, hey, there's this murder going down at Lambert's mansion. Uh, you want to come along? <laughs> you want to see? Let, let's go check it out, right? Bruce is like, yeah, whatever, I don't have anything else to do with smoking his pipe. Well, they go up. Bruce does not stop smoking that pipe either. They get to the Lambert residence. They go up to the sergeant. Nobody asks, like, hey, what's this guy doing here? You end up, hey, what's going on? Everything under control? Yeah, yeah, we got the young Lambert in the back room. And this is the thing. Uh, This chemical king Lambert has died. Mr. Lambert, he's been murdered. And the fingerprints are on the knife. And so they automatically assume that it is his son. So they go to talk to him, and there's Lambert. He's dead. There's Bruce Wayne smoking his pipe, looking. Everybody's there. It looks like Jimmy Olsen has arrived taking pictures. I mean, there's a lot going on in this crime scene. That probably shouldn't be. And they go to talk to the young Lambert. And he says, I didn't kill my father. It wasn't me. And explains the situation. It makes sense. I'm going to give you a tip to everybody here. If you are the son of the chemical king and he gets stabbed in the back, don't touch the knife He's already dead I mean, I know that you want to pull the knife out But don't touch it If you do, I just don't Just don't Because that's what leads them to think he is the murderer But he says, no, no, no I walked in to the house I heard it groan My dad was laying on the ground He was dead or almost dead And I saw a shadowy figure jump out of the window But also the uh, safe was open My dad's safe And when I turned my dad around He said, contract Contract, oh, and then died, died in his arms. He said, I swear that's the truth. And, and back in the day, then you swear it's the truth, it must be. So, you know, he's kind of cleared with this. But they end up where Gordon is on the case, Bruce still smoking his pipe right behind him, kind of like right over his shoulder. And Gordon says, Did your dad have any enemies or people who had interest in his business activities? And it's funny because the young Lambert goes, No. Except these three former business partners. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a yes there, young Lambert. And he says, I I think their name's Stephen Crane, Paul Rogers, and Alfred Stryker. And I know that everybody's getting excited that it's the Paul Rogers from the band Bad Company. That's not the case. This is too early. And they're like, okay, well, that's weird. You have the sergeant. He's like, there's a guy named Stephen Crane. He's on the phone right now. 
He called to talk to Lambert, but when I told him that he was dead, he got all excited and said he needed to talk to you, Commissioner. So Commissioner Gordon gets on the phone. Hey, what's the trouble? And this guy says, oh, my God, yesterday Mr. Lambert called me. He had an anonymous death threat, and I called him because I got one today. And now you tell me that Lambert's dead? I don't think these are threats. I think these might be promises. I'm worried for my life. And you end up having Gordon like, okay, we'll be right over. And he gets off the phone and then says, hey, everybody, we got to go over to the Crane residence, Stephen Crane's residence, because he might be getting murdered. Hey, Bruce, you want to come along? Bruce is there tapping the pipe tobacco out. This is what I said. He's using this as like a, man, this is boring stuff. I mean, just imagine this. He goes to a crime scene. He sees a murdered man, and then somebody desperately calls on the phone. Oh, my God, I'm going to be murdered, too. Come on. Commissioner, hey, you want ho-hum, I'll leave you here to finish work. No, 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 he's... He's leaving to go to the next scene, Bruce. But he says, I'm just going to go home. And again, this is where Gordon's like, this guy doesn't get excited about anything. He's got, you know, he's got ice water going through his veins. Well, we go over to Stephen Crane as he's sitting in his library, worried that he's going to get killed. And indeed, a murderer does come in. A guy with a gun comes in, ends up shooting old Crane and then goes through the window carrying a piece of paper. He's got a piece of paper. Now, with that, it's funny, too. There isn't a getaway car. There's a getaway other gangster, and they're both on on the roof. He actually then has to go out of the window and climb up to the roof. I don't know. You know, criminals are, are a weird lot, they say. But Batman's there. We see Batman now, and he looks cool. And He's got his arms crossed. He's staring at these criminals. They obviously know who he is. They yell, the Batman. And then Batman goes, and this is where we're going to start getting the killings. I like the killing. Because he ends up socking one guy, like, really hard right in the face, right? That guy falls down on the roof, but ends up in a weird spot where I don't know if he's alive or dead because he kind of, like, slid down and his head's kind of stuck in the gutter. The only thing that saved him, possibly, is the gutter. The other guy, though, Batman goes and flips. This is the guy that did the killing. And ended up having that piece of paper well, it looks like a diploma uh, But he ends up throwing him off the roof I mean, he looks dead And that's where the police show up As Batman then catches this piece of paper That guy is face-planted on the sidewalk It's two stories But he also got violently thrown And landed on his face I believe he is dead The pavement was his enemy The pavement was his enemy It was gravity that did it. It wasn't Batman, right? There's possibly now two murders here of Batman. Again, he does not mind that. Well, you end up where the butler of Mr. Crane, I will mention that this house maybe looks a little bit of an impressive 1939 style, but it doesn't look that crazy. There's a butler. Butler comes out. Oh, my God. Where were you, butler, when, when the shooting was going on? He was hiding. Oh, my God. Mr. Crane has been murdered. It's horrible. And then there's Gordon to say that's two dead partners out of four that received threatening notes. The other two must have received them. Let's go to Paul Rogers next. Well, with that, we see Batman, not in a Batmobile, just in like a Continental car. It's a red car driving around. With that, Batman shows that not only is the world's greatest detective, but also the most distracted driver ever as he is reading this piece of paper while driving. 
And I can imagine looking at the panel, he, he is veering off the road as we speak. Uh, this is, you know, pretty much where they say a lot of times comics, a lot of sci-fi comics, they end up being able to tell the future. Oh, my God, they predicted this. He, Batman is predicting when people are on their phones later on in, in the car. He is going to kill another person. Maybe he does off panel. It, it's possible. But with all of this going on, remember, Commissioner Gordon's going over to Roger's house now. There's Rogers and Stryker left. Well, in the meantime, Rogers hears of Lambert and Crane's death. So he ends up thinking, oh, my God, it's just me and Stryker left. Let me go check in on him. Let me go see if he's okay, if he got a death threat, whatnot. Goes and the butler for Stryker, Jennings, big dude, he ends up answering the door. Can I help you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to talk to Stryker. I got to see him quickly. It's a matter of importance. Okay, come on in. And when you end up having Paul Rogers go past Stryker, or not Stryker, Jennings, Jennings pulls out one of them blackjacks and hits him over the head and knocks him out. Oh, my. And so at this point, I'm thinking the idea of what is this something to do with Stryker's butler who kind of, you know, listening in on things, knowing things, and he's going to jump in and try to get the riches. It's not, but it seemed like that at first. Now, we also find out that this Jennings is just a psychopath. Now, He's going to kill. He's going to kill a man, right? That's bad enough. But he also says when you end up having Paul Rogers wake up, he's in the basement. It's this basement lab. And he has this giant domed glass over him. He's sitting in the middle of the room, tied up on a metal plate. And you end up having Jennings say, I'm going to lower this giant glass tube deal onto you. And I'm going to murder you. By pumping in poisonous gas, right? So, but he says that the reason he has this here is he likes to kill guinea pigs for experiments. Now, I do think that Bill Finger's playing this deal of then he could say, now you're my guinea pig. It's all for that line, but it's sick. I mean, and also it seems as if this this metal plate has straps that are made to hold down a person, not a hamster. I don't know, but you end up where... He says it. And also when they ended up coming up with this contraption, when Jennings is like, I I need to get a gas chamber to kill these hamsters, but I'll have the gas connection and the nozzle. That's somewhere else in the house. Maybe he doesn't want to see them actually die. So he goes off, turns on the gas, looks at his watch. Okay, let's go back. But he says, I'm going to go down and turn on the sleeping gas. Ha ha. You'll die. You're done. Goodbye. And so with that, he presses the button and this glass dome tube slowly very slowly starts to lower itself over rogers well luckily for him batman comes in batman jumps through the transom and ends up saying oh my god rogers i will save you grabs a wrench and then for some unknown reason again world's greatest detective but possibly not thinking things through right here He jumps under, almost like Indiana Jones-esque, jumps under the lowering tube to get into it with Rogers. The gas starts coming out, and Batman uses a handkerchief to clog up the nozzle where the gas is coming out. Then he breaks the glass from the inside with the wrench when he just could have broke the glass. I mean, this all would have been solved. Now, later on, a bunch of the redos, retcons, whatnot, they specifically make him break this glass before because it makes no damn sense. 
I guess you want to get that tension of, oh, my God, is Batman going to get gassed? But then you're like, why'd you do that, Batman? Why did you do that? Now, with that in your head canon, your little head movies, you could go with the idea that this is legitimately in this. This is his second time out as Batman. You know, we'll talk about the first when we get done this. But this is so, you know. He's uh, he's a little bit green here. He's, he's not ready, but he uh, ends up breaking the glass, which is fine. Well, with that, you end up Jennings comes down. Now, also, Jennings comes down and goes, oh, my God, sees Batman with a wrench, sees the broken glass. His murderous attempt is failed. Then he pulls out a gun. Like, really? Like, why were you doing all this rigmarole to gas this guy when you could have just killed him with a gun? You have a gun. Um, again, is this one of those, well, it's too personal to kill? Like, I'll just pretend that the gas killed the guy. Not me. But Batman ends up just leaping forward, and he knocks the gun out of Jennings' hand and then knocks him out. I mean, he punches him, and he punches him big time. With that, Stryker, Alfred Stryker, comes in. Remember, Stryker is the other guy involved in this chemical syndicate deal, and he might be you know, targeted for murder. Again, up until this point, I'm thinking that maybe Jennings is doing things on his own. He's sick of just, you know, killing hamsters, so he's getting up in the game. This is what serial killers do, people. But you end up where Stryker comes in. Oh, my God, Rogers. Now, Batman at this point has jumped away and is hiding in the shadows, even though when you see the panel of him, he, he's just in broad daylight, like two feet away. But nobody can see him because he's Batman. Uh, well, you end up having Stryker. Rogers, what happened? And there's, you know, Rogers. Oh, my God, Stryker. Y- your assistant, Jennings, he tried to kill me. Right away, then, without any sort of, you know, hesitation, Stryker pulls out a knife and goes, well, I guess I got to get the job done, and goes after Rogers. Now, the cool thing about this, he's going to give him one of those real big stabby stabbies. He's got this knife. Way over the back of his shoulder, which then allows Batman to run in and, in my mind, breaks Stryker's wrist. Breaks his wrist. He drops the knife. Pretty cool. It's like, what are you doing? What are you trying to do this for? Ah, he's yelling. And then you do end up having, you know, Rogers say, why did you try to kill me? At this point, Batman, it's really cool panel, actually. It's funny, but he's got Stryker by the collar. I'm imagining two feet up. In the air, not even paying attention I'm just like squeezing You know, choking him out And he's gonna he's gonna solve this mystery For Rogers And said, the rat behind the murders You see, I learned that you Lambert, Crane, and Stryker were once Partners in the Apex Chemical Corporation And what he says is At one point, for some odd written, Another, this is a lot of life lessons That go on in here at one point, they were all partners in this chemical company. It seems that Stryker was the only one his heart was in it, and he ends up buying out the others. But he didn't have that much money to pay off the whole deal, so they end up making a secret contract that each month Stryker goes them, hey, here, now, what is this, tax reasons? I mean, if you want to go with the idea that Stryker is a nefarious person there, he's doing it so eventually he can kill them all. And nobody will know they ever had that contract. That's why these robbers ended up killing the people and then grabbing that piece of paper. Those were the contracts. So he's just going to burn them. Oh, my God, my partners, they're dead. I guess I own the chemical. He just doesn't want to pay. But the others, I'm saying, they're not scot-free in this either. I think that this is tax evasion. I think that they want to end up, you know, all this. They don't need it on the books, right? I don't don't know. 
Uh, but the idea is he didn't want to pay them off. He's cheap. You know, and that's what happens. After a while, he's like, well, I'm paying these guys off each month. Well, why don't I just kill them and get rid of the contracts? That sounds pretty good. Obviously, it seems that Jennings was in on the plan with them. And then they were hiring thugs, all these things going on. Now, with that, it's funny, too, because Stryker is like the classic, typical, you know, old guy owns a business. He's bald, balding. He's got, you know, he's big. He ends up being able to break free from Batman. Batman is so into telling Rogers how smart he is, it seems, that he's not really paying as much attention as he should to Stryker. Well, with that, too, you end up where Rogers is, is talking to him, too. He's like, what? Oh, yeah, that was the secret. Our heirs would know. Oh, that makes sense. That's a crazy plan he had. How did you figure this all out? And then Batman just goes, eh, I found the contract from one of his hired killers. I grabbed one of the contracts, put two and two together, and that's the case. Well, with that, Stryker breaks free of Batman. Again, another guy who he went into a gunfight with a knife earlier, yet then to reveal he has a gun. Why didn't he use the gun earlier? He ends up pulling the gun out. He is going to kill Batman. Batman ends up socking him so hard that he ends up falling backwards, goes through a railing, and then all of a sudden you're reminded that somehow, where I thought we were in a basement, we're not, and there is a giant vat of acid of the chemical company right below that railing that you end up, Striker, falling into. Batman has killed at least two people in this issue. I mean, really. I like the now, killing. again, self-defense, the guy ended up trying to shoot Batman. And you see as Batman socks him with the word sock there, boom. The gun goes off going straight up. So, I mean, it is self-defense. But the funniest thing is there's no remorse from Batman at all. You end up where, again, Rogers is probably like, I, I never thought I'd see two people die. They're like right now, because I still think that Jennings might be dead as well. But he might wake up. But you end up where, oh, my God, you know, he fell right into that acid tank. And then Batman just looks as you still see splashing going on. He may still be alive. Trying to get out of the acid They are not going towards him at all And says a fitting ending for his kind Oh my goodness Batman You are you are something else uh, And then you end up where Seemingly Rogers then is just watching The flailing death Of his former partner But a murderous one So he's watching Maybe he has a grin on his face I don't know I would think that that's a horrific thing to, to watch Somebody dying in acid So he, he looks away from Batman and with that, Batman jumps out through the transom again. That's like an open window there. He jumps out. So right away, that's one of the things. That is a cool bit of overall continuity where Batman likes to disappear when people aren't watching. He jumps out, though. It's funny. He goes, how can I ever thank you? Oh, my God, why? He's gone. But yet you still see Batman up above. I mean, he's just gotten out of the transom. You're like, Batman, where are you going, buddy? But yeah, and, and I think that one of the plays here that's a little subtle is that idea like Batman is not there? I, I said earlier in the story that pretty much was the most popular story leading up into this, the Slam Bradley story, they always at the end are getting paid. And I, and I went through, I'm, I'm like at issue number 18 on our Patreon podcast, which if you wanted to listen to, you could go to patreon.com slash weird science. But at that point, I had figured out that they had been paid 
millions of dollars up to that point. I ended up getting every ending where they're like, here's a check for 20000 Here's this doing the, the kind of, you know, the conversion to that era. That, and yeah, a million. So I think that this is one of those things that you realize, okay, you know, Paul Rogers, he's rich. Not from the royalties from Bad Company songs. That It's not the same Paul Rogers. I, I can't stress that enough. But he seems to be a well-to-do man, a rich guy. And so Batman leaving is like one of those things. Ooh, Batman did not stay for a reward. He's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the reward. Obviously, too, he has a secret identity of some sort, which we're about to see. So he's not in it for the recognition per se. So what is he? That's the mystery. Oh, my God. What is going on with this Batman? Well, with that, he seems Bruce Wayne seems to love to hang around with Commissioner Gordon. I mean, they are best buds here. And it says the next day, young Bruce Wayne is again a visitor at the commissioner's house. He, he just comes a call and he does. Who has just finished telling Bruce the latest exploits of the Batman? And it's like, and then Rogers said the Batman went through the skylight. And Bruce goes, huh, that's kind of a nice little fairy tale commission. Like, really? Like, if I was coming over for story time, I would have smoked two pipes. He's smoking the pipe again, by the way. And they go, and then that's where, again, at the end, you have two panels left, and there's Gordon. He's got to light up another cigar. These the two of them better watch out. I know that back in the day, you'd have even radio commercials on those old time radio shows. And again, I will point out, I'm a huge fan of old time radio, and I've listened to so much of it. But at that point, you would have commercials, you know, smoke lucky strikes. Four out of five doctors say that it makes you healthier than a non-smoker. You're like, oh, yeah, really? Well, I think they listen too much. They, they are smoking it up in here. Smoke them if you got them, I think Commissioner Gordon says at the end. He ends up saying, Bruce Wayne is a nice chap because you end up where then Bruce leaves. He's like, oh, yeah, nice fairy tale. And I go to the local library for story time. You jer-, And he leaves. So then you end up, Gordon lights up. I mean, why not? It's the end of the issue. You have a case solved, not by you, but by Batman, whatever. It's all good. He lights up and says, Bruce Wayne is a nice young chap, but he certainly must lead a boring life. Seems disinterested in everything. Now, I was thinking about this line at the end. The idea that you are you have a boring life, so you're bored of everything. I actually think, I man, he must have a crazy life. I mean, this guy sees Moida. He sees, you know, the crazy stuff. We're talking about this mask vigilante in the city. And he's like, I mean, what is he doing that this stuff seems boring? But it is the idea. Oh, that, that Bruce Wayne, that guy is bored of everything. Oh, my goodness. And then you go back and it's a cool little two quick panels that ends up. Bruce Wayne returns home to his room. And you see the door. It's closed. Like, okay, I don't know what he's doing in there. Running the water or something. A little later. His door slowly opens. The funny thing is he goes back to his house. And even that just as a deal at this point, no mansion stuff. There is, but not the Wayne mansion. But he goes back. He goes and gets placed a little dress up. Right. So he goes back in and gets on the Batman costume, the cape and cowl. And then he comes out and says the door slowly opens and reveals its occupant. If the commissioner could see his young friend now. He'd be amazed to learn that he is the Batman. And I, I, I said it earlier. I love the idea of this cliffhanger not being like the, oh, my God, we got $10,000 and solved the crime. Why aren't I getting kissed by the ladies? Ah! And everybody's like, you can imagine the laugh track going. This is, first off, it's pretty ominous. 
the idea because again at one point when you ended up having those thugs maybe both killed by batman when, when the police show up they they open fire that batman they're going the, you know commissioner gordon isn't there like man i really want to meet this batman he's pretty cool i mean they are hinting already at this vigilante going above the law like things like that also he's probably wanted for a bunch of murders but you end up where such a cool ending to make it so that you're not just oh that was a cool detective story because those are a dime a dozen i mean there's a lot of issues detective comics is an anthology deal there's a lot of stories in this detective comics number 27 that might even be a little bit better detective story than this no this is about the batman and they knew right away you know finger and kane knew they had solid gold i think right away so end it with an idea of the mystery overall and the is the batman and now as you reveal it Again, crazy in the first issue. Now the mystery, why is he doing it? What is he doing? What's going to go on? Is Commissioner Gordon going to find out? Are they this? That, it's so cool. It is so cool. I, I love this. I love Detective Comics number 27. And in fact, I love reading all of the other iterations of it as you go. As different writers throughout the years, and we'll talk about this in a second, but different writers throughout the years are trying to retcon things. They're not retcon, but put them into a new, newer continuity, putting things in one of the most recent one was the Brad Meltzer who retold this to put it in the new 52. And I believe that was, you know, in that Detective Comics number 27 deal. I might be wrong. But with all of that, here's some trivia and info at the end. And again, these this is called the best DC Comics podcast. Most of these are awesome. I don't think I have to rate them. You know, because they're pretty much the greatest. And so with that, though, here we go with some of the things. Obviously, this has been reprinted a trillion times. Also, the iconic cover, all that has been, you know, homaged constantly. Tons, tons, just like the Action Comics number one cover. Um, You end up where it was revised and rebooted several times. Mike Friedrich wrote an Earth One version of the story in 1969. Marv Wolfman and Alan Grant wrote two different post-crisis versions of the story in 1991. Brad Meltzer wrote 2014 version, a story taking place in the new 52 continuity. One of the ones that I really like, and maybe eventually we'll, we'll talk about it on this podcast, was Roy Thomas ended up writing an expanded version of the story with more of the expanded deal going with his origins and trying to get that in. In Secret Origins number 6 in September of 1986, a story called The Golden Age Batman. And with that, he changed a bunch of things. And it's funny, some of the things that he changed. He gave Lambert, if you notice, I just said the younger and older Lambert deal, Mr. Lambert. They they never named him. They ended up, Roy Thomas gave him the name David and gave his younger son the name John. You end up having Sergeant, actually named Sergeant Faraday. This is the best, though. (laughs) That's where Batman actually shatters the glass tube instead of going in it and then shattering to get out. One of the big things, there's no killing. The thugs on the rooftop are handled non-lethally. And Alfred Stryker is not pushed into the bat by or punched into the bat by Bruce, by Batman. He ends up escaping again and runs and trips over the railing. He trips and goes over the railing. And then Batman yells out, watch out. You're going to end up, you know, he dies. Now, with that, because Batman didn't cause it, he still says, a fitting end for his kind at the death. And also, like I said at the one point, 
there wasn't a Gotham City yet. There's this, and that ends up retroactively saying, yes, this happened in Gotham City rather than New York City. We can go with that. That that makes sense. So all that being said and done, it's just an awesome issue. If you haven't read it, I, again, I said it during the Action Comics deal. A lot of people, they're like, well, I know the story. Or eh, I think I read it or maybe read one of the you know reboots and revised things of it. But yeah, it's one of those things to always go back and read because I giggle at it a lot with the, some of the crazy things. But it's awesome. It's really awesome. So check it out if you have. And even, yeah, go and read it again. Go and, you know, it, it's very quick. Just go read it. And like, yeah, that, that is a good story to start out. The Batman, the Bat Slash Man. But with all that, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast going through some things. I said next we're going to be talking about the first appearance of Wonder Woman in a story that has a lot of pros. And, you know, I, I have problems with the ratings. So we'll see how we go with that. This this podcast will come out late, late Wednesday into early Thursday. That's kind of when you should look for it. Uh, and it will come out maybe every other week. But I, I'm kind of getting inspired to do it more, obviously. I've done two in this week. So that shows you. I get all excited about these things, too. And I love talking about really good things and really cool stories that I love. So. With that, thanks everybody. Go over to our Twitter at Weird, what is it called? Weird Science DC. That's what it is. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com for reviews of the current issues each week. And then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science to support us for all the things we do, including this podcast, the Secret Origins podcast, and our big weekly review show that comes out on Sunday and get a lot in return. We do a lot of shows. Bunch of shows each day, usually. Eventually, I think that even this podcast will be early access there. Stuff like that. But we'll, I, I said it the first time. We'll get into that later. But yeah, check everything out. All those things I just mentioned are in the show notes. You can click on them and go. So thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you later. Pavement was his enemy. <laughs>